we are seeing increases in purchase behavior on mobile devices through voice search. But it's today, it's still a small percentage, right? So I think as we, you know, look forward into the future, you're going to see more and more people becoming more comfortable with actually making those purchases. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. So as a content marketer, my goal is to always keep tabs on the latest trends, uncover the new rules and tools, so to speak, to better connect with and resonate with my audience. SEO is undoubtedly a key part of this content marketing toolkit and it's constantly evolving, right? Especially in light of voice commerce emerging, some of the new rules in how search engines rank content. So SEO seems to be an ever-present component that is not only increasingly important, but is sometimes daunting or confusing to keep track of and adapt over time. So I had the chance to sit down with Chris Rogers, who is the founder and CEO of Colorado SEO Pros, and we kind of broke down some of the nuances around SEO strategy what is happening now, how brands are adapting, and what are some of the constant, more evergreen best practices that all brands need to apply to be successful. So with that, if you're a marketing person, if you're a brand or e-com person, Chris definitely has some great insights to share. Chris, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to be on the show. Good to have you. Thank you for having me. So to start out our conversation, I always like to give our listeners a little bit of context around who's on the show, what their background is. So I try to put it in our, our guest's hands. So why don't we start there, Chris? Why don't you share a little bit about yourself and uh, more importantly, about uh, Colorado SEO Pros? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Chris Rogers. I'm the founder and CEO of Colorado SEO Pros. Uh, we are a boutique uh, SEO agency based in Colorado, just outside of Denver in the foothills. We specialize in providing both SEO and paid search services to uh, small and medium-sized businesses, as well as national, regional, and and enterprises. So typically less on the uh, smaller and local businesses when it comes to SEO and paid search, and generally uh, more of those who are marketing on a national or regional level. I uh, founded the company in 2012. I have a background in uh, marketing, I worked in the corporate space for a number of years and then left to do a master's program in internet marketing. Then I've had my hands in a couple different startups and uh, started the SEO agency here in Colorado in 2012. So today we're generally a pretty small company with a deep bench of talent. We typically manage a smaller number of more complex and more advanced projects in terms of SEO. Excellent. So I definitely want to dig into some of the new trends, new implications of SEO that you've been seeing. But first, would love to hear a little bit about the current conversations that you're having with clients, with prospects. I mean, I feel like this is a really fascinating time for online marketing specifically because we're seeing such a shift to digital for researching, for shopping. So, I mean, what kind of conversations are are you having right now? I mean, if you can get down to the retail level, awesome. But I mean, if you want to speak broadly around, you know, what what the key 
concerns are for businesses, you know, what's really top of mind for them. I think that could be a great starting point for our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So it it is an interesting time. There's a lot of shifts in activity and approaches and strategy, you know, with what's going on with COVID right now, user behavior is changing. And then there are big differences from industry to industry, uh, right? So we, we have had a lot of conversations with our clients in terms of their approaches. So we have Certainly, we've had some clients that were directly impacted, so some that were in the, in the travel space, some that were actually in oil and gas, and some of these areas that were directly hit were really, they couldn't, they had to stop business, right? So those conversations really are, hey, how do we maintain what you've built up and what you've invested in, in terms of SEO? And is there an opportunity to actually do business today? Can you, can you actually conduct business and, and have any transactions happening? And then you have a lot of businesses where, you know, we've had a number that actually increased and have gotten a lot more aggressive, right? Because they see this as an opportunity, whether they have a niche somewhere that they can actually go after in light of everything that's going on, or more broadly, if they're, if they're in a secure enough place where they're in a position to make additional investment, just the opportunity of being able to gain market share in an environment where, you know, kind of all your competitors are typically running the other way. So you can kind of get a lot of bang for your buck. So, so a lot of the conversations are, first of all, yes, can you actually do business? If so, what does that look like? Depending on each individual business, are people actually uh, able to do business with you online? So are you in a scenario where you have some kind of e-commerce infrastructure set up today where you can do business? Uh, if so, then we're talking about how do we navigate strategy to keep the business going? Or if you're trying to make that transition, what does that strategy look like? For other people, if they're on the retail side, it it may mean that, hey, yes, we can do business, but it's in a very limited capacity, right? Like if we have a storefront or something and we're needing to service our customers, you know, maybe that is by appointment only. So I think think the first thing to look at is more of a general business conversation. What can you actually do, right? And then that'll shape what the strategy looks like from a digital perspective. And then really the next stage is, is analyzing, okay, well, are your customers shopping today or are they actually making purchases, right? And that's a, that's a really defining data point there because what we're finding is for a lot of businesses, there's actually a ton of activity and they've seen traffic increase online, but some of their customers aren't actually pulling the trigger and making decisions, right? Uh, we have an enterprise company that does kitchen cabinets for remodeling and they've seen their traffic and activity increase quite a bit but at least in the early stages, people were holding off on making those purchase decisions, right? So every, everyone's kind of doing their research, getting in position, figuring out what they're going to buy, but then holding off on pulling the trigger till they feel confident enough in where we're going to be at in terms of the economy. For other people, if they're able to actually see transactions, and they're probably going after those right now. And then that kind of leads into, okay, well, what is the mix of SEO in terms of your strategy versus paid search? Right. And then that's that's a whole nother element where we say, okay, are you building for the future so that when the traffic and purchases return, you're ahead of where you were before? Or are you in survival mode right now and you need to drive transactions in the moment? And then those conversations really will lead into, okay, this is what our strategy looks like for uh, one particular business or the other. Yeah, because I'm sure there's definitely a lot of variance there from company to company, from brand to brand. Someone 
or or a company that has a very strong digital presence, you know, may say, okay, now's a good time for us to kind of ramp up what we've been doing while others, to your point, you know, may want to scale things back a little. But I do want to kind of get your take on what's happening in the paid media landscape specifically, because I know we've been keeping a close tab on where brands are investing and why uh, a lot of struggles in online advertising and also more traditional, you know, media, seeing people try to change their agreements with major TV networks, for example. I mean, is this just kind of the unavoidable aftermath of the current scenario? Or do you think this ladders up to a much larger trend that is happening or has been happening for a while? I mean, as someone who's so immersed in the space, I just thought this may be an interesting area to dig into a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's there's huge trends exiting out of things like TV, radio, and traditional print media. That's been happening for a very long time. So this may exacerbate that, right? Like put even more focus on this. I definitely think Companies, both large and small, are putting their budgets under a microscope right now and saying, okay, what do we need to keep going? What can we let go of? You know, what are the things that we're doing that, you know, maybe we have a gut feeling is really beneficial, but maybe we don't have the hard evidence to back up that that's a necessary channel. So like TV is one that I would potentially put in that bucket, right? Like we know dollars have been coming out of that for a very long time. And I know that there are some sophisticated tracking mechanisms that are in that media channel, uh, but as a whole, it's traditionally been very expensive and it's been very difficult to track back to return on investment. So when you're in a, an environment where you have to make these tough decisions, I think some of the areas where you have hard data is easier to justify, right? In, in terms of paid media, I think some of those things have gotten more expensive because your cost per acquisition has gone up, right? So if you look across all the different channels and you say, okay, well, these are the channels that were already really expensive. Now they're even more expensive, right? You, you might be kind of teetering on, is it actually worth it, right? Like have, have the margin shrunk even so much that now, you know, companies aren't willing to take those high expense gambles on, on things like, you know, their, their TV advertising. In the, in the paid search space, we've seen some of that too. Again, it varies from industry to industry. But it's not that for most industries, that opportunity isn't there. It's that that depending on the actual purchase behavior, that cost per acquisition has now gone up, right? So it's gotten more expensive where you're spending more to get less conversions, right? So it's, it's gotten more expensive. But then that leads back to the, to the other conversation, right? Are your customers making purchases right now? Or are they doing a lot of shopping? If they're doing a lot of shopping and not converting, then you might be paying for traffic that's not materializing in the short term. And then that, again, sometimes goes back to, okay, well, are we better off investing in SEO so that we have a, a stronger presence there when that returns and then maybe come back to paid media once those cost per acquisition numbers get more in line with what we're comfortable with? Right. Or, or just just general investment in this more organic form of community building and engagement, obviously that kind of influences or impacts the SEO side of things as well. But I guess this all kind of ladders up to what's driving consumer influence and action today, right? Because I feel like in this situation, especially consumers are 
more attentive towards, you know, how brands are going to market, how they're speaking to them and what they're asking them to do. If it's something that's maybe too heavy handed or even on the opposite end of, of the spectrum, like they're kind of pandering to the current situation just to, to get that customer affection. So I, I feel like marketers are a bit of, in a bit of a sticky situation and in turn brand executives. So, I mean, how do you think the rules of engagement are kind of changing, looking at this through the lens of those organic community building channels if, because, you know, people may be backing off of the paid tactics for a bit? Yeah, so that's a, that's a difficult question, right? Because I think that there is no like single trend within all of these different audiences and with all these different consumers. I think there's a lot of, I, th- I think consumers are going through a lot of different things, right? So I think on, on some level, you've got a lot of fear. At the same time, I think you've also got a lot of pent up demand, right? All these people have been like shut up in their homes for a long time. So even though people might be afraid to go and spend money, they want to go spend money. <laughs> they want to go shop and buy things and um, have that feeling of normalcy to get back into what we were used to before the whole pandemic hit. Uh, at the same time, you know, brands can't come in and like ignore what's happening and just pretend like it's the same thing like it was before the pandemic, right? right. So I do, you know, I get what you're saying. I think there's this there's this kind of balancing act where you don't want to come in and, and be pandering to people, right? But you also need to acknowledge what people are are going through and make it, you know, try to be the company that supports people being able to go back and make purchases and and do the things that they're used to doing that they enjoy in life, right? Which part of, uh, which in our country is being able to go shop for a lot of people, you know, whether that's a literal, little, little or a lot, but people like being able to go and and buy things and enjoy the the fruits of their, of their labor. So I, you know, I see, I think, I've seen a lot of like different kind of sales programs and things where, you know, it's not necessarily pandering, right? So like I've seen, you know, certainly you've seen a lot of car companies that are like, okay, well now you can shop with us online. Uh, We have a contactless delivery, right? We can bring a car right to your door and then you can do a free return, right? So it's, it's little things that are like acknowledging the, I don't want to call it the new normal because I don't like that term, but where we're at today, right? (laughs) And, and, and really like catering to people to say, Hey, we're doing everything that we can so that you can try to do things, maybe not like you used to, but hey, if you were planning on buying a car, we want to make it possible for you to still buy a car. And here's all the things that we've done to put together a process that takes into account how you're going to shop today, right? And I, I think that those kinds of things are very, I think, I think consumers appreciate that, right? Like, same with some of the like pull up and drive up, like some of the things that like Best Buy has been doing where it's like, yes, you can still go to Best Buy and you can go through a shopping experience. It is night and day different from what it used to be, right? You're either making an appointment to go in or you're dealing with someone out in front of the store. But I think for some people, they're like, wow, I can still do this, right? And there's an aha moment that, hey, I can actually still go and buy the things that I need to buy. Uh, maybe I can even get in my car and get out of the house, uh, which in itself is, you know, unfortunately, that's going to be a highlight now uh, if you're stuck at home. But all that leads to consumers being able to have, it's weird to say a sense of normalcy, but at least being able to participate back in that shopping and buying experience and interacting with brands and retailers, at least as a starting point, even if it's not back to where it was before. Right. Yeah, some excellent points. And I think that the key thing there is if you're offering 
those added services or new experiences or adapting in some way to further support your customers, your community. It's ensuring that that information is easy to find, right? And and that people are compelled to act upon that, which obviously is, is the SEO connection. But as we try to continue to ride on, you know, what's happening now. So like you said, curbside or, you know, more high touch, like appointment based conversations with associates and then thinking more long term, right? We're kind of like in the middle of two worlds right now. What's kind of the SEO impact here? Because, you know, I'm a content person and, and the foundation of, you know, creating great content is ensuring that it's, Findable, right? And it aligns with what your audience is searching for. So, what does that look like for retail businesses? Because, again, it's like, what are we doing now versus, you know, what is what's the bigger brand story and you know our future? I feel like there there's a lot of complexity there. But I mean, if you can break it down for us based on some of the conversations that you're having with retailers, I think that would be helpful because. Ecom is or online is basically all a lot of brands have right now. So figuring out how to adapt that experience and scale it or refine it over time, I think that's going to be extremely top of mind for a lot of web people right now and a lot of marketers. Yeah, absolutely. So so a few things. Like I think in the past we've had like e-commerce and then brick and mortar retail. While you might have brands that offer both, they're kind of these these disparate experiences, right? You can go online and you can shop online. You can go through products, you can go through categories and you can go through that experience or you can say, okay, where are the locations? I can actually go there and shop. You know, maybe there's certainly alignment on that inventory and those kinds of things. But I think as we look forward into how we adapt to today's situation and looking into the future, I think it's more of a combination of those two experiences. Right. And I, and you can look at the way some retailers have already like integrated that. Right. So like today, what that looks like is if you go online and go shopping, a lot of times when you go into the purchase funnel, you can say, Oh, now I can get this delivered or I can go pick it up at a store. Right. So I think it's taking that to the next level where you have more of a, a unified experience where it's almost expected that, Hey, I can have that in-person experience as part of that shopping or, you know, not just about delivery, right? So as I'm going in and looking at products, you know, maybe we have options where it's like, hey, would you like to come to a store to look at this in person, right? Or to come forward to, to actually make a purchase. So I think those are maybe some ways that you can bring those two worlds together. And certainly, you know, brands and retailers that somehow have not built out a solid e-commerce type of infrastructure, I think that's going to be really critical. And, and even if it's not traditional like e-commerce, when you think about like, you know, Shopify and these other kind of platforms, even the way that you structure your products online should be more in line with what you can do from an e-commerce perspective. Meaning you've built out your, your brands and everything, your website in ways that allow people to go through the different products that you have in the same way that they would go through an e-commerce store, if that makes sense. So I guess what I'm saying is less about a brand website that really tries to do a lot of flash and, and experience and more focusing in on these are the products, these are the categories of products we offer, almost like closer to an e-commerce than 
hey, here's the ethos of our brand and things that, you know, traditionally where you might go to a brand website and say, oh, this, you know, this brand is great. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's athletes associated with it. Maybe there's other things that are really visceral and attractive about that brand. And then my next step is, hey, I want to go to a store and make some purchases. Now I'm looking at retailers where I can find that. More of a melding where, hey, maybe you still got some of that look and feel in terms of what that brand is about, but there's more of a direct connection with here are the actual products, here are the categories, this is how you actually shop for these items, as opposed to just driving people to a retailer or a factory store. Okay, got it. That, that leads me to a follow-up question around the impact, if any, around content marketing in retail, because I feel like that was a big trend for a, a while, a lot of brands creating their own publications, their own blogs, you know, trying to create like an editorial arm or extension of their business. But I feel like with the evolution of social media, with like Instagram kind of being that perfect hybrid of content and commerce, do you think that that notion of like being content creators and being brands is not as critical. I guess we can look at this largely through like an SEO lens because I don't know, I kind of, I'm kind of going back and forth with it as far as like a customer experience standpoint, largely because the channels are becoming more and more interconnected, but would love your take on that. Yeah. I mean, that's tough too, because I think you could, you know, I think the answer is you're doing both of those things. When you're, when you have all these social channels where people can experience and interact with the brand, like you can't, you can't ignore that. Those are, those are huge juggernauts in the space in terms of having an impact, right? At the same time, you know, that's, that's brand driven, right? That's, that's everything that you're driving in terms of, of your brand. From an SEO standpoint, uh, certainly there's a whole subset of SEO, which is brand SEO, where you're really looking at how your brand marketing is driving the the trends within search for your brand, right? So all the ways that people are actually searching for your brand, whether it's the types of products or whether it's things like uh, athletes or, or different types of uses for your products. So there's a specific type of SEO there. Um, but then outside of that, the question is, do you want to be appealing to people outside of your brand drive, right? In other words, non-branded traffic. If you're looking at it from an SEO perspective, do you want people that are looking for a specific type of product to now be finding you outside of the people that said, hey, well, you know, I'm looking for basketball shoes. I'm going to look for Nike, right? So where people are saying, hey, I'm just going to go out and look at what my options are. You know, like you could look at like, you know, if it's like camping gear or, or something or outdoor outdoor products, right? You may still be going in, even though they're big brands that dominate some of those spaces you still might be going into general topics around those subject matter areas and then doing more objective searches. I would have both. I mean, I'm probably biased because I am an SEO guy. I believe in brand (laughs) SEO. I think it's extremely, extremely powerful because you can actually change the experience that your customers have with your brand by aligning the way that you do SEO. So like one of our largest clients is actually a Fortune 100 telecom. Uh, one of the largest cable internet providers in the U.S. And one of the big things that we've been helping them with is change the way that their current customers experience their brand when they're looking for help with their service, when they're trying to troubleshoot things. And so it's not even just about customer acquisition, but really having a direct impact with how your customers experience your brand, whether or not they're, they're happy. So that, and that comes back to like brand loyalty and, and engagement and those kinds of things. So I, I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping around in a lot of different places, but I would say, 
you know, just to kind of sum it up, I think those social channels are absolutely critical when we think about brand-driven marketing and how your customers are going to experience your brand. And then in terms of creating your own content, I think that there's a place for that. And then each brand needs to take a look and, and ask themselves, hey, how much do we want to be just dependent on our brand? And how much do we want to be exposing our products uh, to people that weren't thinking about us for those products? And maybe those could be areas where they're branching out into new uh, different types of product lines and things that people didn't typically associate their brand with. Maybe those are opportunities. Uh, and then lastly, you know, just I think that third segment is really looking at the brand experience from an SEO perspective and understanding where people are actually looking to interact with your brand starting a search engine as opposed to going straight to your website or starting out on a social media channel. Oh, that's great. Very insightful. Thank you, Chris. So with that, I guess my follow-up question is around the impact of voice, if any. You know, this is a very fascinating area for me because, you know, I use my personal assistant, I'm, I'm not going to say the names because it'll start to turn on and then <laughs> I'll throw this whole recording <laughs> off. Um, but how does this kind of play into SEO strategy? Like what are some of the considerations, the things that retailers need to think about? Because again, I feel like there's so much buzz around their role in our lives, their impact, the potential from a commerce perspective, but I feel like it hasn't quite reached that that level that level of advancement that maybe, you know, retailers are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a huge trend, right? And there's a couple different elements within voice. We have virtual assistants, right? Which there are a bunch of them out there. We've got smart speakers and then actual voice search. And we're actually speaking to our virtual assistants, whether that's through our mobile devices or our laptops or through smart speakers. Smart speaker usage has been absolutely exploding over this past year. And right now, in terms of the smart speaker space, that's, you know, Amazon has, has really traditionally been leading that path. And then in terms of, you know, the virtual assistants, we've kind of got Google and Siri kind of leading the way with, with virtual assistants. So as, as it relates to, you know, SEO, there are tweaks that we make in our strategy to try to target voice search. Right, so there are actually voice search ranking factors within SEO from studies that have been conducted. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that the factors that will uh, influence voice search rankings or results are very much also in line with uh, results that you have in the search engines in the first place. Right. So, for example, one of the top ranking factors when we look at voice search is your page being listed in the top three results. Right? So there's a strong correlation between a top three ranking and a return of voice search results, right? Page speed is another big one, right? And that's a, that's a, you know, a traditional ranking factor. If you're, if you're ranking in those featured snippets where the people also ask questions, so like in Google where you can ask a question and instead of just getting a search result, you've got that kind of white card at the top that gives you an answer and references a website, those featured snippets are, are often used for voice search. So there's kind of, there's some tweaks there. You know, other things can be like incorporating questions into your content. Uh, typically that's more relevant with informational content, but when we're going through and creating a content strategy, part of our process is to look at for any particular page for that topic, are there relevant questions that we see we want to target on that page that might track back to voice search? 
I would, the other data that's been out, Microsoft put out a study over this, uh, in this past year that talked about a lot of trends within uh, voice search and smart speakers. We are seeing increases in purchase behavior on mobile devices through voice search. But it's today, it's still a small percentage, right? So I think as we you know, look forward into the future, you're going to see more and more people becoming more comfortable with actually making those purchases as of this data is probably like a year old now. But from uh, SMX Advanced uh, Search Marketing Conference last year, the data that was rolled out was still 75% of conversions were still taking place on desktop as opposed to mobile devices. And so you can think about the implications on what that means for voice search as well. So people are using voice search to start doing uh, shopping research. Like that's a, that's actually a pretty uh, strong usage and way people are using voice search. So they are using it to do their research uh, and start, you know, kind of the process of going through and doing research to buy products. Uh, but in terms of actually making those purchases from voice, I think that's something that we're going to see in the future. Uh, but we're not we're not quite there yet. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting area, I think, to keep in mind as marketers, as brand folks, um, you know, we're always trying to make that experience as easy as possible and adapt to consumer behavior. So if that's what our shoppers are doing, that's, that's what we need to do to make sure we meet them in the middle, right? But I guess the next question is, you know, since we're coming up at the close of our conversation, you know, what are some high-level action items or best practices that you'd really recommend retailers focus on in this current climate? Again, this could be just broader best practices, like based on what you think retailers are lacking in, um, just to kind of, you know, center them around longer term or evergreen action items, or, or maybe it's a way to kind of adapt in light of our current situation. But I mean, regardless, what, what area do you think retailers really need to be focusing on in terms of their SEO strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if we're talking about today, what are you doing? It kind of goes back to that, that conversation we talked about before. Right? How much can you drive through paid search to get conversions today? Or are you in a position where maybe there's a lot of shopping taking place, but the conversions aren't there? In that instance, um, typically, if you're, if you're able to, there's a big opportunity to make investments in SEO today that are going to pay off in the future. So you can go ahead. It's one of the few channels that right now, by making additional investments, you can reap those rewards down the road as that traffic and as that demand comes back. Right? There's not a lot of other things that you can really do that. Within SEO, we talked a lot about content. Content is still your foundation when it comes to a modern SEO strategy. Technical SEO is still really important, right? So now how, how fast is your website loading? How clean is it in terms of technical errors? Are you using things like schema markup to help Google understand your content? Those things are all important. And backlinks still play a really huge role in SEO today. So are you able to go out and get uh, backlinks that are relevant to what you do, that are authoritative, that are trustworthy? But I think this all starts with content. So. Within the, within the space of your content strategy within SEO, you really should be looking at intent. And if you follow the SEO space at all, that's been something that has been a huge focus of uh, Google's for a number of years now. And they've had a, a number of advances in terms of artificial intelligence and machine learning that really is geared at understanding the intent behind different keyword searches, right? 
So really, as you go in, if you're putting together an SEO strategy, whether you have a, an in-house team or you're, you're hiring an agency like us, they should be identifying like what is the, the keyword universe for your audience. And then within that audience and within all those keywords, what are the things that people are searching for that are more informational, where they're looking for long-form content, where they are very top of funnel trying to frame their problem and understand all the nuances around their search, and then which terms are kind of in the middle where maybe people have identified, hey, I'm probably going to have to spend some money, but I don't know what it is that I need to buy, all the way down to transactional searches that people are making, and what does that content look like, where people have gone through the problem-solving process, they now know what kind of product that they're trying to buy, and now they're at a stage where really they're just trying to understand value, features, and benefits of different products. So, you know, in t I would say in terms of looking forward in the most important thing, one, I would be focusing on content first, and two, I would be looking really hard at the intent behind different uh, keywords as they represent your audiences, and then tying that back to your actual content strategy to make sure that you're creating the right content for your customers at different stages in that buyer's journey. Yeah. From one content person to another, uh, this resonates with me deeply. So you're preaching to the choir right now. So glad to hear the emphasis on content and just creating content that's not just relevant, but helpful and valuable for the audience. But I know that for a lot of folks, you know, when they hear SEO and they start to get into some of the technicalities, they go a bit cross-eyed, they get a bit confused. Um, to close off our conversation, Chris, are there any other resources, tools, platforms that everyone listening may be able to use or, or refer to if they want to learn more about SEO, um, want to do it better. I mean, our, our goal is to provide a level of resources to our audience based on their passion points. So are there any that, that you think they should check out? Yeah. So on our website, on coloradoseopros.com, in the footer of our website, we link out to a number of different resources. So really, it just depends on the individual business, right? So if if this is smaller businesses that are just getting into SEO and trying to learn the basics to do it themselves, uh, there's some resources that we uh, link out to. Google has an SEO starter guide that you can learn from. Moz also has a, a starter guide that, that you can learn from. And then there are entry-level tools. So one that we actually use uh, within our process is called SEMrush. That's a powerful tool set that is really pretty affordable in terms of starting out. We actually, we are a full disclosure and affiliate of them, but for a lot of our people that reach out to us that can't afford our services, uh, we can set them up with free trials and discounts and those kind of things to start learning it themselves. You know, outside of that, I would follow the industry. If you, if you are looking to hire an agency, make sure you, you talk to a number of different people, ask for case studies, right? So you want to get actual case studies, not just Google reviews, but uh, details around projects that they've worked on and, and what that looked like, uh, and then just try to make a, an, an educated decision from there. Great, Chris. Well, thanks again so much for uh, taking the time out. This topic is a bit of a passion point for me. I'm not, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but like I said, as a content person, the connecting points between all of these tactics, all of these layers to a great brand strategy, a great content strategy are, are definitely not lost on me. So thank you again so much for taking the time out, for sharing your insights and, and your expertise with our audience. It was really great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thanks everyone out there for listening. Take care now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. 
Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.